welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. In 2017, there was a 29-year-old screenwriter named Zachary Daring who moved back to Rockport, Texas. If you're not familiar, that's a beach community of about 10,000 people to care for his father who was fighting cancer. It was at that time that a Category 4 hurricane named Hurricane Harvey slammed into the coast. Daring arrived at an emergency shelter only to find there was no organization that had come yet to assist at that shelter. So with no medical training, no formal appointment, Daring organized the 126 people who were in that shelter, recruiting 15 volunteers and putting them on 30-minute shifts to care for the medically fragile. All the people in the shelter pooled together their food and water from all those staying in the shelter and organized periodic trips into the Category 4 storm to rescue more stranded people. When state officials finally arrived after the storm, isn't that just like the government, right? To show up when everything's done? (laughs) They asked those in the shelter, who's in charge? To which everyone in the shelter pointed to Zachary. The state officials were shocked to learn that Zachary, just a regular civilian, had organized all these strangers into a life-saving station in the middle of a Category 4 hurricane. Church, why do I tell you that? Because when the storm hits, the storm doesn't care about your education level. The storm doesn't care about your social standing. The storm doesn't care about your income. You know what the storm cares about? Nothing but destruction. And there's a lot of people in our community that are in a storm. Amen? Maybe some of you came in this morning and you're in a storm. But I'm here to tell you the answer is Jesus. And and just with Zachary, he didn't look around and say whose responsibility is it. He took ownership of it. And he said, it's my job. I'm going to step up to the plate because these people are going to die if I don't do something about it. And I think sometimes we forget that we're in life and death battle, church. As a pastor, I've done way too many funerals. And and I'm just telling you, we have this delusion that somehow everybody who dies goes to heaven. I just can't find that in my Bible. To all who receive him, he gives the right to be called children of God, church. We're in a life and death battle. And that's why we do what we do. And just as the same way, this young man who had no training, who had no authority, just stepped up to the plate and said, hey, I'm going to do something to help these people. That's the kind of church we are here at Celebrate. Amen? Amen. If you're a guest, again, we're so glad you're joining us. We've been in the series, as Andy talked about, Jordan River Rules. And if you're watching us online or joining our podcast, we're glad that you're here. Um, We only have two weeks remaining of the series. This is so crazy. We start these things and we get going. And man, I think this is going to be awesome. And I turn around twice and we're already almost done with it. So um, if you have missed some, you can go to our website and catch up and watch those. Um, You can also go to our podcast. But uh, basically, we're talking about Joshua. And how he was preparing the nation of Israel to cross into the promised land. And we've been looking at that. So just to kind of catch you up, if if you're a guest or haven't been here, um, we're going to talk about the Jordan River rules. These seven rules that Andy mentioned before. And so church, those of you who've been here, you've got to help me out. What is rule number one for Jordan River rules? Church, what is it? That was okay, but we're going to get this better. (laughs) Move forward. God designed us to move forward. We can't move forward until we leave the past behind. We need to learn from our past 
but we need to look ahead. Rule number two, church, what is it? That was really good. Dream big. The size of your dream determines the size of your God. And I said it every week. My, I serve a big God. My God can do amazing, great things. But the problem is sometimes we have good dreams, but we don't have God dreams. See, there's nothing wrong with having good dreams, but sometimes good dreams don't come true. But, but again, God dreams, God dreams always come true. When you submit to God, he can do anything. And is it supporting his word or my wishes? Are you more concerned about building your kingdom or his kingdom? Then we talked about rule number three. What is it, church? Be courageous. courageous. Three times in four verses, God told Joshua, commanded him to be strong and courageous. God understands that fear can creep into even the strongest of people. And it could steal what he planned and purposed for us to do. And we need to keep our courage. We need to remind ourselves of that every single day. That's why God put it in the Bible 365 times. Be strong and courageous. And last week, rule number four. What was it, church? You guys are so awesome. We talked about the Transjordan tribes. If you don't know that term, go back and watch it. We'll explain what that means. But there's a group of people from the nation of Israel who had the land. They had their cities. They had their wealth. But yet they were committed to what God said to help their brothers and sisters get the land. They had to give of their time. They had to give of their talent. They had to give their treasure. But they were concerned about building God's kingdom, not their own. And I made this statement, and I'm going to come back to it again this week. There are no spectators in the kingdom of God. There's no, there's no such thing as a Christian who sits in the stands and watches the games play in the field. God's called all of us, if we're his followers, to get on the field and get in the game. It doesn't matter how much time, how much talent, or how much treasure you have. God's asking us to give that, church, and that's what we're going to do. So in your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 2. Again, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. There's also version. It's a free app available on any smartphone or device. You can download it right now. We spent the first four weeks of this series going through chapter 1. And so today, we're going to cover all of chapter 2. I hope you packed a lunch. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. We're not, <laughs> it's not going to be that bad. But all of chapter 2 in the book of Joshua, if you're not familiar with it, deals with a very certain situation that came up, a crisis as it were. And it harkens back to that story that I opened up with Zachary as far as when the storm hits. What do we step up to do? And Joshua and the nation found themselves in this position. And God brought a very unlikely source to help. And so with that, we're going to look at Joshua chapter 2. I'm going to start in the first verse. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. And I want to stop there before we go on. Again, if you're not familiar with this, for those of you who've been here, this has been a review. Forty years before that, God had Moses send 12 spies, one from each tribe into the land, to spy out the promised land. Joshua was one of those, tri- one of those spies. And only he and Caleb, the two spies, came back and said, the land is good, we need to take it. The other ten said, we can't do it, and we know what happened there. So now Joshua, reliving that moment, I think probably a good leadership moment, says, I'm not going to send 12 spies this time, I'm only going to spend two. <laughs> Last time two worked pretty good, so, so we're just going to send two this time. That's, that's, a, that's a good leadership moment. The rest of verse 1 is what makes it interesting, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, two guys spying out the lands, especially Jericho, they go and they 
enter the house of a prostitute. We don't know why or we don't know how they ended up in her house. We also don't know anywhere where it says that they engaged in prostitution. In fact, to do so would really kind of subvert the mission if you're serving a holy God. But here's why. God had a plan, and the storm was about to hit. Look at what happens in verse 2. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, that was the prostitute. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. Now, if this were a movie, this would be the part where the music would start going, dun, 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 right? This is the high drama part. This is like, oh my, think of this picture. Let, let's figure this out. There's these two spies from Israel. They've come to spy out the land. They're going to Jericho. They're hiding in this house, and they've been found out. The king has found them. They are surrounded in the city. There is no one there that's going to support them. What's going to happen? Do you see why the Bible's better than Netflix, right? <laughs> you, you need to read your Bible. Put away Netflix. Read the Bible. This is a dramatic moment. Can you feel the tension? What are they going to do? Verse 4. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She, that being Rahab, said, Yes, the men came to me, but I don't know where they came from. At dusk, when it was time to close up the city gates, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. She threw them off the trail. She kept those spies hidden from that king and didn't allow them to be captured. Which brings us to Jordan River Rule number five. And church, you want to write this down? And again, we're going to be saying this the rest of the series, so get used to it. Jordan River Rule number five, find help. Say it with me, church. Find help. Without Rahab, these guys were toast. Again, they are spies in an enemy territory. They are completely surrounded. Their cover is blown. There is no way out. And then an unlikely hero stepped up to the plate. A prostitute by the name of Rahab. Now you might be asking the same question that I asked. Why would she do that? What, what was going on? What was she thinking? Why would motivate her to put her life and her family at risk for two guys who were actually the enemy? And this is what I love about God's word. Sometimes when we have questions like that, he answers it for us. And that's exactly what happens. Look down at verse 9. Rahab said to them, these are the spies, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on all of us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. She goes on in verse 10 to explain about how the victories that God has given Israel at the Red Sea and with the other nations around them. And then here's the key. Look at verse 11. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Church, can I tell you something that's true about God's word? Just because of somebody's lifestyle doesn't mean they don't know better. See, if we look at Rahab as just simply a prostitute, we would have no idea that she understood something that, don't miss this, no one else in the entire city of Jericho understood. That there is a God in heaven, and he's coming. And you can either get on board with it, or you can be destroyed. you got to make that choice. And Rahab understood that. Rahab got it. See, here's the thing I need you to understand about this church. God is a God of all 
people. This was not just about establishing a nation and a kingdom. This is about restoring God to humanity in our sin. God was using Israel to draw all people towards him. But outside of Rahab and her family, not one person in the city of Jericho got it or understood it. This is why sometimes people say, I struggle with the book of Joshua. Everybody look right here. I don't struggle with the book of Joshua. Because we just read right there. God wants everybody to come to him. And this prostitute understood that, and she got it. And she said, listen, I understand. I need something in my life that I don't have. No one else in the city understood that. I've said it before. If you've heard me say this before, God never sends anybody to hell. We hear it say all the time, people, I can't believe a loving God would send somebody to hell. He doesn't. He just looks at you and says, thy will be done. Okay, you don't want to do it the way that I set up? That's fine. I'm not going to force myself on you. Thy will be done. And that's exactly what he said to the people of Jericho. Look at verse 12. This is Rahab talking to the spies. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Church, that's a great prayer. That's a prayer of a lady who has probably been abused in her life. She's definitely been used for sure. And she understood this, this unlikely person, the most unlikely person probably in Jericho to help these God's people is saying, listen, please swear to me that you'll save me. That's a prayer God answers. I don't care who you are or what you've done. When you pry out to God and you say, God, please come save me, my God comes and saves you. Amen, church? That's why we do what we do. And that's what Rahab understood here. And this is what the spies needed to learn. They needed help. Again, I'll say it again. Without Rahab, they were toast. They were done for. And yet she did that. So Jordan River rule number five. Say it with me, church. Find help. Now, I don't know about you, but God doesn't typically send help the way I want him to send help. Anybody else have that problem? Okay. This is how I, this is how it usually works for me. And I may be just talking about me for a second. This is how it usually works for me. So I pray to God, God, I have this problem. God, I really need your help. God, I want you to make this problem go away. And we wish, poof, the problem goes magically away. Anybody else pray prayers like that? Okay, I'm the only one. <laughs> Here's the problem. That's not a prayer. That's a wish. God is not a genie looking to grant your wishes. He is a holy God that wants to have a relationship with you. And, and here's the thing. The problem that we have sometimes, and we need to fully understand this, and this story helps us really get this. God is a deeply personal God. He wants to have a relationship with you. That's why I said earlier 2023, our number one focus as a church is the word fellowship. That word koinonia. How can we have relationships with each other? Because God says, that's how you have relationships with me, is how you have your relationships with each other. Let me paint a picture for you just through scripture, if you just don't understand. There was a guy named Joseph. We've talked about Joseph before. Joseph was wrongly accused. He was thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit. And in those days, there was no parole board. Joseph was there for the rest of his life. Game was over. And what did God do? God sent him a cupbearer, a servant of Pharaoh, to be a fellow prisoner. And he shared a story with him. They had one interaction. As far as scripture goes, it might have been just that was the only interaction they had. 
This cupbearer got released, went back to Pharaoh, was completely forgot about Joseph for two years. I wonder if Joseph forgot about the cupbearer. I wonder if he thought, ah, maybe this is it. This is my life. But God used that cupbearer to release Joseph from prison and change the course of not only his life, but all of human history. God uses some unlikely people, doesn't he? Let me give you another example. God's people were enslaved in Egypt. We've been talking about this throughout this story. And they've been crying out to God for over 400 years, God, come and deliver us. And what does God do? God sends this spoiled rich kid who was a Hebrew, but he grew up in Pharaoh's palace. I think some people like that very much. Probably not. I think there was some jealousy there. In addition to that, this guy had murdered an Egyptian. Okay, He's a murderer. He was a fugitive for 40 years. And oh, by the way, Scripture tells us that he had a speech impediment. He probably stuttered, so he probably couldn't talk very well. What was that guy's name? Moses. Think God can use some unlikely people? Let, let, let me give you another one. King Saul was facing a giant named Goliath. And he had terrorized the nation of Israel for 40 days. And all the whole army was totally afraid of this big giant. And who does God send? A little tiny shepherd boy with a little slingshot and delivered them from the giant. Let me give you one more. The nation of Israel was captured by the Roman army, the greatest military force to ever exist before the United States of America in human history. They were captives under the Roman army. And the Israelites prayed to God, God, send us our Messiah so we can restore the nation of Israel and overthrow the Romans. And what did God do? He sent a little tiny baby born to a poor refugee family. God causes some unlikely people to be our deliverers, don't it? And so here's where I'm going with this, and you want to write this down. This is going to hurt, church, but it's a fact, and I just showed you in Scripture this is true. The answer to your problems is a person. I'm going to say it again. The answer to your problems is a person. Whatever you're facing right now, God has an answer for it, and it's probably a person. To which you might argue, no, my problem are people, pastor. You don't understand, okay? I, I, my prayer is that God would make these problem people disappear, and then my life would be better, right? Anybody been there? Just me? I'm the only sinner in the room? Okay. <laughs> Let me say it one more time. God is a deeply personal, relational God. And to fully understand this, God gives us the gift of people. Broken, messy Frustrating people, which means they're perfect for God to use, just like Rahab in this story. Church, your answer to your problem right now that you're facing in your life right now is probably a person, and it might be an unlikely person. So if you got your notes, I'm going to give you two ways of how we can find this, because I want to make this practical. I want to put some feet under this for you. Here's two things to help you find help. Here's the first one. Look in unlikely places. If you're looking for help, look at some unlikely places. Now, I am not suggesting, I just want to make this very clear, I'm not suggesting you go to a prostitute's house tonight, okay? Please, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying when I say that. But I'm saying you need to look for some unlikely places. Maybe you find yourself somewhere where you don't want to be. Maybe for some of you right now, you're in a season of life that you don't really like being in that. And you might question it. You might say, God, why did you put me here? Why are you taking me here? God, did you make a mistake? Listen, God doesn't make a mistake. Perhaps you are in an unlikely place because God has a work to do in that situation. 
And I'm going to go back to the story I used at the beginning about Zachary, right? Let's, let's follow this again. His dad has, he's a screenwriter. His dad has cancer. He moves to Texas. He moves back in with his dad. A hurricane hits. Literally to save his life, the guy runs away and goes to this emergency shelter. He had no idea. This was a national story, if you remember when that happened. He had no idea that everybody in the nation would know his name and he'd be lifted up as this kind of local celebrity because of that. This is how God put him in there. He didn't want to be in those places. But God used Zachary to save lives. Look at Rahab. In that situation, it's the same thing. Unlikely places. See, here's the thing that I want you to understand, church. If you're following God, you are right where you should be. I'm going to say that again because that might hurt. If you are following what God wants for your life, you are right where God wants you to be. It might not be where you want to be, but it's right where God wants you to be. What can I learn from this? Maybe it's a time. Maybe it's a location. Maybe it's a season of life that you're in. Maybe, perhaps, God is preparing you for another season. Maybe this entire season of your life is something that God's preparing you for His glory. No matter where you find yourself, you've got to ask yourself, how can I use this place, this season, for His glory? Here's number two. Look for unlikely places, but look to unlikely people. Look to unlikely people, people you might not think about, people you might not know. You know, it's a really interesting aspect about Rahab that's often overlooked. And I don't know, again, if you're familiar with the scripture. I grew up in the church. I've heard this story multiple times in Sunday school and all that stuff. I never understood this one thing about Rahab until about two years ago. God showed this to me. This is why you should read your Bible. This is why nobody has arrived. This is why I, as your pastor, haven't arrived. I still read God's word, and I go, I never saw that before. So here's something really interesting about Rahab, and I'll just kind of catch you up. You can read it on your own or in your life groups this week. But as the spies were leaving Rahab, um, they agreed not to harm her or her family. Rahab lowered a scarlet cord out of her window to help them escape. Rahab's house was actually in the city wall of Jericho. If you're not familiar with history, back in those days, they didn't have police forces. They didn't have armies. They had big walls around their city. It was a very important structure in the city, not only for protection, but it also was a big idea for commerce. When people would come to the city, they would stop at the city wall. Are you with me on this? This is why this is a good place for a prostitution house. When people show up, that's a good place for commerce. This is why Rahab lived there, okay? And the spies gave her this signal. They said, listen, that same cord, that same scarlet cord, that you let us down out of your house so we could escape, get over the city walls. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to tie that to your window. And when we come back to Jericho, that's going to be a signal to us and to our people not to harm you or your household. When they see that scarlet cord, everyone in Israel goes, they're okay, we're going to leave them alone. Everybody else we're going to go after. Are you with me on this? You understand this? This is the, the, the very important thing for Rahab to understand. But look at what happens in verse 21. And this is what I missed, and I don't want you to miss Verse 21, agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And here's the part that I never saw before. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Did you catch it? She didn't wait for the coast to be clear. She didn't wait for the action to die down, or she didn't wait until she saw them coming up. And, oh boy, I better get that scarlet cord out in my window. Better make sure that everybody sees that scarlet cord now. She did it immediately, as soon as they left. And what we know from the rest of Scripture, it was weeks before the Israelites came back. But that whole entire time, Rahab had that scarlet cord hanging out of her window. Now, now why would she do that? 
don't you think it probably raised some questions? Did you miss the part where the king's people came to Rahab and said, hey, didn't you know these guys? No, I don't know what happened to them. What's that scarlet cord hanging out your window for then? You with me on this? Rahab was making a statement, not only to the people of Israel, she was making a statement to the people of Jericho. Do you think it was suspicious? Probably. But here's what I want to tell you. Unlikely people take unlikely actions. It was unlike Rahab to leave that cord out there for everybody to see in Jericho. Do you think maybe that Rahab might have wanted to have some conversations with her neighbors about that? Do you think maybe it brought up? I believe it probably did, because why would she leave that out? See, here's the thing. God can only use someone who's open to anything. Look to unlikely people to help you out. Rahab was probably the last person they thought would help out, but I believe it was God ordained for them to go to her house. And because of that, Rahab and her entire family were saved. Church, we need to look in unlikely places and look to unlikely people. Now, throughout this series, one of the things that we're doing, we believe this series is a significant moment in the life of our church. And as we're building up to our five-year anniversary, we're taking some time each week to kind of look back at the history of our church, to learn from it, and learn how to move forward. And so this week, I'm going to share with you something that happened back in 2011. And you might say, Pastor, I thought it was five years ago. Yeah, this was seven years before the church got planted. But it had a significant impact on our church. Let me explain to you what happened. See, at that time, I was working as a a child care counselor in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We had started attending Celebrate Church, and uh, we loved it. And I was serving in the kids' ministry. It was awesome. Many of you have heard this story before. Um, But what happened was... I really had a desire at that point. I really felt called, like God was calling me to be a children's pastor full-time at Celebrate Community Church. Now, if you know the rest of the story, that would eventually happen, but it didn't happen at that point. And there's a reason for that I won't go into right now, but that was my desire. I really wanted to be a children's pastor for Celebrate Church. And so our our leadership came to me and said, hey, Jeff, here's the thing. Um, We have this team, and we'd like you to lead this team. I was excited. This is great. I get to lead a team. Aren't I important? Isn't this great? And they said, yeah, here's the thing. It's Sunday morning. Okay, Sunday morning's okay. 9 a.m. Okay, 9 a.m.'s kind of early. And it's with third, fourth, and fifth graders. And oh, by the way, there's about 35 of them. Okay, this is a big church. So I don't know if you've been in a room with 35, third, fourth, and fifth graders before. Okay, it's an experience. I don't know if you've had that experience at 9 o'clock in the morning. And, and, and I didn't plan it this way, but isn't it ironic that it's daylight savings time Sunday, okay? Because that happened. <laughs> That's an early morning. And oh, by the way, it got better, just in case you're wondering, it got better. Oh, by the way, Jeff, this team's kind of in trouble. I said, oh, yeah, talk to me about that. What's that mean? Well, here's the thing. In about a month, it's just going to be you and a high school girl. <laughs> That's the whole team. So here's your mission, Jeff. You've got about 30 days to build this team. Um, otherwise, it's going to be you and a high school girl and 35 third, fourth, and fifth graders at 9 o'clock in the morning. You with me on this? <laughs> I'm not saying I was like, you know, you know, in Jericho surrounded, but I kind of felt that way a little bit. I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? Now, and I, want, I, just, I want to play with this to kind of help you understand where I'm going with this because this is my recruiting strategy to somebody is to say, hey, I'd like you to come and serve on the kids' ministry. Oh, that's great. What am I going to do? 9 o'clock in the morning, 35, 3rd, 4th, and 5th grades. Show of hands, how many of you would do that in this room right now? Exactly. That's what I thought, right? That's not a very good. And oh, by the way, since it starts at 9 o'clock, you have to show up at 8.30 because we got to be ready. So you got to be there at 8.30. 
And oh, by the way, we're going to be in this room the whole 9 o'clock service, so the only way you can attend is you can go to the 11 o'clock service. So you serve at the 9 o'clock, you attend at the 11 o'clock, you get done about 12.30 at the 11 o'clock service, you get home about 1 o'clock. So you show up at 8.30 in the morning, you're there till 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and the majority of that time you're spending with 35, 3rd, 4th, and 5th graders at 9 o'clock in the morning. Who's coming with me now? See where I'm going with this? I'm going to say the most dramatic understatement. That was a challenge. (laughs) I remember praying to God and saying, God, I can't do this. This is impossible. And don't miss it. God looked at me, and as clearly as I see you sitting there, he said, good. Are you ready to let me do it? Because here's the problem, Jeff. It's all about you and what you want, and what you need. Are you ready to die to Jeff Todd and step back and allow me to do the impossible or what seems like the impossible in an unlikely place with unlikely people? And I'm telling you, church, that was the moment that my ministry started. And I was not a full-time pastor. I was working full-time. I was just coming to serve, and I was just trying to do the best I can. I'm like, God, I'm overwhelmed. God, you got to show up, or I'm in big trouble. I didn't say big trouble. I won't tell you what I said because it wasn't very spiritual. Okay? But I'm just saying, I'm going to tell you what happened, but I don't want you to miss something. The tension that was there. So here's what happened. Uh, First conversation I had, the answer to your problems is what, church? A person. Thank you, one person. The answer to your problem is what, church? A person, thank you. So I had a problem. God, I need you to find. I went and talked to a lady. She was our number one substitute. She would jump into different teams and help out. I went to her right away, and I said, listen, I love your heart. This is awesome. I really need you for the next month to commit to this team. Don't hop around. Don't show. I just need you to be on this team. And it wasn't like I was asking her. <laughs> and she's a volunteer. She can tell me to blow off. But she was like, no, that's great. I'd love to. I'd, be, I'd love to help out. Great. Okay. Then I had a conversation with a young uh, mom. She had three little girls, uh, just a sweet lady. She was just beginning her walk with Jesus Christ, so she's kind of brand new to this. Hey, you're a mom. You obviously don't hate kids, right? (laughs) Would you be interested in sacrificing an hour with your family to come here on Sunday morning and help serve with this area? Think that's kind of a hard ask to make? Think I was a little nervous to ask that question? Guess what she said? Jeff, I'd love to. I think that would be fun. There's two. Then God sends me this guy, and the answer to your problems is what church? Is what church? Thank you. God sends me this other guy, and he uh, uh, shares with me his story. And I won't go into all the details, but uh, he uh, spent about 10 years in prison. And the first thing you're thinking is probably the first thing I thought. I don't think this guy can work with kids. (laughs) That's going to be a tough conversation to have. But we walked through some things and unpacked some things. I talked to our leadership. This is It it didn't have anything to do with kids. He wasn't in jail for anything to do with kids. He made some mistakes. He got in a tough situation. He's been redeemed. He's been doing some great things. We talked about it, and we said, okay, this is kind of an unlikely person. But we're kind of desperate right now, and he's willing. I said, hey, would you want to, and, I, and you're going to walk with me. I'm going to be right with you. We're, you know, we're going to learn to this together. And he said, yeah, that's three. And then God sent another person, and so it's me, the high school girl, and these five people, and that all happened within a three-week span. And before you delude yourself and think that had anything to do with Jeff Todd, it had nothing to do with Jeff Todd. It had everything to do with Jesus Christ and God. 
You look for unlikely people in unlikely places. Church, that is why when we planted this church and people would say, I don't know if people would come to a portable church. Like, really? Like, you're going to meet at Minerva's and you're going to have a trailer and you're going to have to set up a teardown every single week? I don't know anybody who's going to do that. I said, I, would, I do. You know why I didn't waver on that one moment? Because of what God did in my heart seven years before that. See where I'm going with this? You see why that, I, I, don't, I don't fear those things? And, and the crazy part about our trailers, and I, I love this story, because for you don't know, for two years of our church, how many of you are here? Show hands. Okay, yep. We, Andy mentioned it before. We hauled everything in and out of a trailer for two years. We had to haul that trailer. We had people that would haul that trailer. Never once in those two years that we were hauling back and stuff, back and forth, three years, sorry, three years we were there. Not one Sunday did I ever pull the trailer. Not once. We had people to do it. You know why? Because your answer to your problem is what, church? A person. We limit God so much by our own little limited understanding. And we look at things and we go, oh, nobody would ever want to do that. That would be completely impossible. Not for my God. Are you with me, church? Do you understand that I don't fear what God says? And this is the cool part, and then I'm going to move on. But I want to tell you the, the rest of the story. This is the Paul Harvey rest of the story. Just yesterday, Hope and Andy and Kim and Elaine were in the room with me. I had the opportunity to stand in that very room, <laughs> that very kids' room. We had a meeting in Sioux Falls, and I shared this story. And here's the really cool part. What you don't know is that mom, um, who I talked about at the beginning, you know, the one that had the three girls, this was 2011, so what's that, 12 years ago? She's still serving there. To this day, she's still doing that. Not one kid in that room, not one parent in that room knows anything about Jeff Todd, and I love that. Because, again, that's what my God can do. When we talk about what God's going to do in the community of Yankton, that's why I'm not afraid of that. That's why I just say, hey, God can do anything. But the answer to our problem is what, church? We've got to find those people. And God's going to bring them here. Amen? That's what happened with Zachary, with Hurricane Harvey. God brought a person he didn't think that he was going to be leading a whole shelter. He just thought he was getting out of a hurricane and helping out. Rahab didn't think that she was going to help save the entire nation of Israel. She's like, these two weird guys show up at my door, and they don't even want to do what I'm supposed to do, but okay, I guess so, and I'm going to hide them. And oh, by the way, when she finds out what they do, she understands who God is. The answer to your problem is a person. It's the same for us today. And I want to give you this awesome story. 1,500 years after Jericho, this guy named Jesus comes, and he changes the world. He dies on the cross. He's raised from the dead, and a group of his disciples say, now we're going to go, and we're going to share this with the entire world. And these probably 120 guys started spreading the word all around, and they started planting churches all over this area. And there was one of these people who wrote a letter. We call it Hebrews. It's in our Bible today. You can look at it if you want. And, and they're writing to about the Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 11, this writer of Hebrews talks about the spiritual, sometimes called Hall of Fame. He talks about all the great heroes of the faith. And he starts listing all these great heroes of the faith. He lists, you know, Noah. You know, yeah, Noah. He lists Abraham. What a great person of faith Abraham was. He listed Isaac. He listed Jacob. He listed Moses. And he didn't list Joshua. 
Guess who the writer of Hebrews listed in this great list of Hall of Fame heroes? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. 1,500 years later. Do you think for a second that Rahab thought in 1,500 years they're going to remember my name and I'm going to be considered one of the heroes of the faith with Noah and Moses and Abraham and I'm a prostitute in Jericho? God likes to have unlikely people in unlikely places, doesn't he? And he likes to use them to accomplish his purpose. It was the same thing with Zachary when that hurricane hit. It was the same thing with Rahab. It was the same thing with this kid in 2011 looking at this team going, I have no idea how this is going to work, God, but I'm going to trust you. And church, I can't say it enough. God wants to do the same thing in Yankton, South Dakota today. And he wants to use you. 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 You are the answer to a problem. It's a person. And, and here's the thing, church, and i got to be honest with you because I've been in ministry now a long time. I understand this. People are messy. It's not going to be easy, <laughs> okay? And, and I, t- I share that story of that team, right, and, and, and how great it was, and, and it sounds awesome. I want to tell you something. For me, it was exhausting. I was a volunteer. It took a lot of my time to manage that team. So glad I did. You know why? Because without that, I wouldn't be pastoring this church today. God has you in a season right now, and he wants to use you in that season. And it might not have anything to do with that season. It might have everything to do with God's kingdom. Amen? Remember where I shared my objective at that time was because I wanted to be a children's pastor at Celebrate Church? I got that. I didn't realize that being a children's pastor at Celebrate Church, the whole purpose of that was to prepare me to stand up here and preach God's word. That's why I'm not distracted. People always say, well, how come you don't get distracted, Jeff? I used to preach the third, fourth, and fifth graders, 35 of them at 9 o'clock in the morning. You guys are a piece of cake, man, all right? I want to see a little more activity sometime out of y'all. See where I'm going with that? God uses unlikely people in unlikely places to accomplish his purposes. And you might not have any idea the impact that you're going to make hundreds and hundreds of years later, just like Rahab did, just like you can too. Let's pray. God, I am so thankful that you did not pick me based on my abilities. I'm so glad that you didn't call me based on my education level or or my skills. What I am grateful for is I am grateful for some people who matter to me so much. Who looked at my life and said, Jeff, I believe you can do this. And we're going to walk with you. We're going to equip you. And we're going to trust that God is going to do amazing things because every one of those third, fourth, and fifth graders matters to Jesus Christ and they need to know you. And God, I had no idea in 2011 that I would be standing here now in 2023 having pastoring this church for five years. And all it does, God, is it does two things in my heart. It excites me for the people that are in this room. Because can I just say it? These are some unlikely folks. I love them with all my heart. But we have some amazing work to do. And God, I want to give the rest of my life to be in that, to equipping and empowering people. 
God, forgive us when we overlook people because we think, oh, they would never, they could never. God, forgive us when we limit your power when we say, why? Well, I, I can't imagine they would ever want to do that. That you would give us the courage to still make the ask anyway, even if the answer is no. God, forgive us when we get distracted by things that don't matter. Because the only thing that matters is tonight in this community, there's going to be people who are going to die. And they may not know you. And there's eternal consequences to that, God. And in the same way that Rahab and her family were saved because of their faithfulness in you, despite their situation, despite her sin, despite her circumstances, she was able to recognize that you were the Lord God. You still have that power in any life in this community. And I speak that in Jesus' name. And I pray that you would give us a power of boldness. That we as your church would come together. We would give of our time. We would give of our talents. We would give of our treasure. So that this whole community can know that there is a God in heaven who loves you. God, it's going to take some unlikely people. It's going to lead us in some unlikely places. But I'm so glad to be doing it with you. Thank you and ask us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless.